Happy New Year, everyone! Welcome to the first new episode of Unverified Accounts for the Glorious Year 2021. Philip, Liza, how are you guys doing? Hey, Very happy good. New Year. Very good. How are you doing? Very good. New Year. It's uh, I think it was sleeting here outside my window. Um, but we promised to get the new year off to a good start by talking about a great movie. Thank you, Liza, <laughs> for recommending it, this to us. I don't think I would have watched it were enough for your recommendation, just because mm-hmm. I, I don't. Maybe it would have popped up on my Netflix, but I might have ignored it. Uh, so we will get into a son. The movie is called a son. The son, like the star, not like the child. Best movie of 2020. Mm. Yes, it's it's very good, and we will talk about it. Uh, don't worry, we'll give spoiler warnings, and we'll talk about plenty besides the movie. So if you haven't watched it, uh, we'll let you know where to skip that spoiler part, and then listen to our other discussion. But as usual, I really wasn't intending on on planning about talking about any dumb online shit um, because it, it was kind of like the New Year's was a holiday, it was kind of down. But um, there was a really dumb tweet uh, yesterday, and I, I think it's worth talking about because it, it brings together a lot of stuff that we talk about on this show so well, also you guys it went like super viral so yeah because you know, i forgot who it's, was it's it? one of those few instances where a spectacularly just bad take um explodes and everyone sees it yeah I and then Liza, it, like, you were <laughs> and then, like every like half people defend it and half the people are just like what is this shit oh yeah, yeah. liza i think you were the one who shared it with us in the morning and when we mm-hmm. saw it it was like you know, it's like kind of popular, but I thought it was just some weird thing that was happening among some like Asian Americans and some and some black people. But then by the night, it had totally blown up. It I, I think spawned a sub controversy of its own. Anyway, well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go. Okay, so let me read the tweet. Um, so this is. Do we want to say the person's? Twitter account, like, or mm-hmm. sure. I mean, mm-hmm. you can probably you can probably find them at this point if you're yeah. gonna read the tweet. So. All right, okay. It's, I went it's so by viral. Someone... Everyone can. See. They, they didn't erase it, so. Mm-hmm. It, it's someone named at Weiwei writes. Uh, based on what I've been able to read about her, she's I think a Korean American trans poet. Um, and then she tweeted, "Koreans are so fucking amazing at frying chicken because Black American soldiers taught us how to." And this is all in caps. <laughs> And then, um, <laughs> and then it goes on. Another tweet in the same thread says, "I would like to thank Black people for flavoring the deep kimchi world I'm living in." Yes. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, and it's like, okay, this is probably factually true. I don't think Koreans were like frying chicken in like the Chosan era. You know, I don't think this is really natural to our, you know, uh, palate in in terms of culinary history pretty mm-hmm. sure it was brought over by americans but and it's perfectly fine to be like hey you know thanks whoever brought it but you know the the way they're doing this is just totally just you know trying to suck up to you know certain crowds on twitter and it's just kind of also it has this sense of weird um thank you u.s army you know, for <laughs> barging into our country and and giving us a fried chicken again it's also weird because in any other context thanking black people for their cultural um gift of fried chicken would be considered very offensive now whether Mm -hmm. it's actually offensive or not i don't care that's not my point my point is these same people if anybody else except their group said that they would lambast that as racist but this is essentially like saying oh thank you uh black people for for your gift of fried chicken you know 
anyway, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, that, the, I had the same kind of reaction where I was like, first of all, I was like, is this true? If this is not true, this is a very offensive thing to say. But I, I was assuming it was true, and they, I guess they backed up with some facts, so it is true. So if it is true, then my reaction really was like, okay, that's like that's a cool, fun fact. Thank you for sharing that. Why do you have to type it in all caps? Like, what yeah, exactly. Is, <laughs> there, there is an there is an aesthetic. There's a like a typed aesthetic to these sorts of posts that has this sort of like kind of weird, you know, self-flagellating. Like it's it's almost like they're yelling at Koreans. They are yelling at Koreans, right? They, yeah, um, that's what it sounds like to me too. But like, why? It's a like, did, did, did Koreans do? Did someone, some Korean person online, do something wrong that like was asking for this? Like, what what was it that you know required the scolding? I I didn't really understand that part. I followed I followed the the tweet kind of throughout the day. Um, it's funny. I, I just logged onto Twitter just now to see uh, what was on my on my timeline, and like one of the top. Like one of the first things is a response to this thing. So it's still going on in my, oh my timeline God. this morning. This is a and twisted it, and, your timeline. And it's is. someone. It's someone from I think leftist Asian Twitter who says this grifter has plugged their Venmo slash Ko-Fi four times in the last day and many more before that. <laughs> so that that was one of the responses. I don't know what also, other. Also, still. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, that's I think the the least worrisome but i mean don't they all do that i mean yeah. this is everyone plugs like a soundcloud or like i don't know some like etsy store of their friend or something sure yeah, yeah. but that but that also kind of i i don't like that that whenever someone you know says something yeah i do I, I good like or important or whatever and they it goes viral something. they plug something mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm like I, I get it we all are trying to you know strive in this capitalist world to to make a buck or whatever but it just feels kind of shitty still to some extent but it really it really like highlights the whole kind of griftiness of this sort of um you know club chasing stuff on on twitter right where you you know you, you try to promote a a uh, a group that's being beat down um but with some sort of you know other motive in mind maybe right like it's something kind of just off about it yeah philip when you say like did any korean ask for this i think that's precisely your point just simply by existing i mean this is the whole like cultural appropriation argument right mm-hmm. simply by existing and doing something uh is violence of some kind so i'm pretty <laughs> sure that yeah the idea did... is that culture can't be shared it can only be appropriated which i disagree with mm. yeah, yeah. no not only can it not but that also means culture is essentially uh your property you own it and people have to license you for it and and pay you a, a rent or something to use it. Which I'm not is even so culture as if culture happens in like a, a vacuum. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you guys on that, but I'm not even talking about that meta level. I'm saying like, is she responding to a thing that actually happened, or is she just like saying this? Like you know the you know the nowhere meme. It's like or sorry, the no one meme. Oh yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, it's like yeah, no yeah. one blank, and then like someone says something like really annoying that no one mm-hmm. asked for. Mm-hmm. Is it like, was it this kind of situation where they're just yeah, kind of... Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think that you also said it perfectly where like the all caps is scolding. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they're because they the, the kinds of people that do this, it always sounds like they're scolding Asian people. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. do it at the same time while at the... Like, they also lean very heavily into very anti-China rhetoric. It's the same group of people, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've learned to trust, no, I mean, I've learned to not trust any Asian American who goes way too hard on being anti, anti-black or pro-black. And often this comes hand in hand with uh, slamming Asians. because it's, Especially their I, parents. Especially their parents. I guarantee mm-hmm. you it's, um, 
they're covering up for their own weird feelings towards white people. In ter- weird as in like idealization and aspiration. Yeah, there was yeah. this writer who on Salon.com wrote this whole piece about how her grandparents were so racist and so pro-Trump that she, in their obituary, she wanted to say that they were complicit in white supremacy. No. This uh, same person uh, wrote this piece on Medium. Stupid. Yeah, and I also found another piece by this person on Medium responding to a play called I Love White Man by actually a friend of mine, YY. Hey, YY, if you're listening, hello. (laughs) But anyway, responding to that uh, play, which is all about like self-examining one's own, like, well, you can tell by the title. Anyway, the same writer was talking about how she identified so much with the play and how she has like a lot of things to sort out on her own. So it's like, it's so obvious what's going on. You're displacing all your guilt onto your onto your grandparents who you know they're from another time another era give them a break right even if they i acknowledge these those people can be kind of annoying if they're in your family but they're not the cause of like these issues and that so it's a i i laugh at these people now because their motives are so transparent let me ask you guys a question what do you think is like a i don't know the word tasteful is the correct word but like what is a like say tasteful way of supporting you know blm and black issues and so on as an asian person without coming off as you know trying to make it about yourself or trying to you know patch up some of your own kind of insecurities around whiteness i guess one way is like every time you bring it up you don't have to scream at asian people for like some sort of deficiency Mm -hmm. yeah a perceived deficiency i think i'm just uh just reading just you know just do it privately you know this is not a stage for you to show how great you are. You, you gotta, you know, just, just do your research and stuff. Yeah. You don't um, need to write a medium article about how you're going to put in your grandparents' obituary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. definitely the wrong way to do it. Yeah. Oh, I said this spawned a sub controversy. So that controversy was, I think she put in her Ko-Fi, which I think is some kind of like Patreon. like It's like a Patreon like website. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's for raising funds for yourself. And then, she got called out by black trans women, I think. And then she like profusely apologized and went on a tweet Wait, storm. Wait, she got called out by black trans women. Why? For self-promoting. And like, I guess uh, the way it- she accused Koreans of profiting off black culture, she now was also doing the same because she linked her <laughs> Ko-Fi. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just the woke Olympics in there? It's in grifter the on grifter violence. That's what this is. <laughs> So here's what I think they're doing is um, they're trying to people who do this, um, they're trying to rid themselves of the model minority stereotype, but at the same time they want to like maintain their own specialness. That whole I'm not like other Asians because I'm so woke. So yeah. basically, what we have now is we have a new model minority on our hands, and that person is that model. Yeah, they're like usually G- Ivy League. They have a non-Asian partner. They're they're not in healthcare or anything that's too math based. Um, super SJW, super loyal to the Democrat Party. Really hates their parents, but they can't. Unlike the '80s, you can't hate your parents for being embarrassing immigrants. That's like because today in 2020, being the child of immigrants is like a whole identity that just adds Mm -hmm. to the desired aesthetic of a semi-marginalized person. So now they hate their parents for being, quote, anti-Black. Yeah, I agree with all that, except I don't think they're loyal to the Democratic Party, at least not openly. I think, especially on social media, they'll 
I, I'm sure these people would always vote Democrat because their their whole like self image would totally. I mean, that's being loyal. Yes, mm-hmm. but on social media, they'll always talk shit about like Nancy Pelosi or Biden because that you know it's really not cool. I mean, it's also not good to support them. I agree with that, but it's also not cool to be seen as uh, supporting them. So, um, you know, when when like Team Vogue is now so woke, they vote for them. Yeah, I don't really understand. But no, I mean, like, like in terms of their rhetoric, Mm -hmm. they'll always be like calling them out and stuff. I don't think they are out there acting like they're fundraisers. You know, for example. For, oh, for you mean like, you mean it's like it's more of a performance. It's more of like trying to stay on the cutting edge of being progressive means yeah. you have to keep calling out even those on the left or whatever. Yeah, because it's like I think maybe twenty years ago, uh, in order to be the the, the special snowflake Asian American, it was like your P- Republicans. I mean, your parents all voted Republican, so you vote Democrat. Thing mm-hmm. is, like majority of Democrats now vote. I mean, <laughs> majority of Asian Americans now vote Democrat. So it's like, how do you now? push yourself to separate from them depending on really what kind of Republican. asian american you are right so you still vote democrat uh, uh you know on the down low but publicly you, you'll be saying like shit about because you got to s- separate yourself yeah i kind of i kind of get what you're saying you're saying it's this, it's this constant kind of like um you know trying to find the next foothold in being better than your, your yeah, progressive exactly. peers kind of thing. Yeah. So actually that kind of makes me, I didn't, I didn't look at the actual tweet itself afterwards, but like, did it get ratioed or like, was it really a 50, 50 split no, of got, people well, kind of it, like praising it? And also like being like, what the hell's up this person? Made 120.8 thousand Twitter bucks. Wow. When I, when I sent it to you guys, it only had like 1800 likes mm-hmm. and about 600 quote tweets. Yeah, yeah, it blew up. Okay, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about something more fun. Well, that was fun, <laughs> but something positive. Well, a movie called Asan, which is a Taiwanese film that came out, I think, technically in 2019, but maybe came out in America in 2020. Liza, you want to give us a synopsis of this great movie? So this movie's release has its own backstory, and I found it um, because I came across an article in IndieWire where the critic that was writing about the movie A Son was basically like almost like upset that he himself didn't even know about this movie, which he considered to be the best of the year. Mm. Um, you know, like the, the big question of the article was how did so few people know about this amazing movie that's been on Netflix for months? And, um, you know, basically, it's very it's very significant moving forward into 2021. You know, it's it's like my whole interest is so tied up in this story, in this movie's backstory. Like, a movie just doesn't need a theatrical release anymore for critics to take it seriously and review it, and even consider it to be a contender at the Oscars. But, but then, like, if there's millions of movies that are just floating around on streaming fl- platforms, how are you supposed to find the movies? You know, typically, it's like what's out in theaters. Um, is is what you you go by, and you can't mm-hmm. do that anymore. And this particular movie slipped through the cracks because it came out on January twenty fourth of last year, which to to us here in the states, it's still considered pre pandemic. And at the time, film critics weren't paying as much attention to non theatrical releases yet. So it's really the victim of timing, if anything. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, fast forward to now, it's Taiwan's official submission to the foreign language category at the Oscars. I think it's going to do really well. Uh, it is going to be up against a lot of other really great movies this year, though, like um, Denmark's Another Round with Mads Mikkelsen. Um, I believe I, Minari is going to be in the foreign language category, too, right? For the Oscars or just the Globes or whatever? I think the, hell the controversy was sort of Golden Globes. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Oscars. It's for the, the Golden Oscars. Globes only. Okay. Well, I mm. mean, uh, the Brazilian movie, uh, Bacarau. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Eliza, you said that was really good, right? Excellent. Yeah, if you like the themes of Parasite and like Knives Out, I think that you'll really like that Brazilian movie too. Um, Speaking anyway, of Parasite, if son, I may interject, son- um, I think a son's chances are probably very low because I don't know if the Academy will let two Asian movies win the foreign language in a row, but continue liza which yeah, is unfair so, um yeah. the director also goes by a pseudonym uh naga nakashima um so i I don't, I don't know what the reason he goes by a pseudonym is uh but it you know this movie won huge at toronto um and tokyo and then uh it just you know it just got lost but um here's a synopsis the movie is, it's, it's really a family saga, and it tells the story of two sons. One is a top student who is poised to attend the medical school of his choice. Obviously, he is the, um, he is the titular character, a son. And the other one is um, basically a, a juvenile delinquent who gets into a fight in the opening scene of the movie, and he lands himself in a juvenile detention center. And... Um, it ta- it, uh, the, the, the message of the movie is really that people can change and that uh, morals can be really messy and, and complex. And um, so starting here, um, spoiler warning, if, yes. if you don't want this movie spoiled for you in any way, and like, really, I, I, I really don't think that you should allow this movie to be spoiled for you because it's really the beauty of this movie. Um, yeah, so stop we'll listening do, now so that we can go ahead and talk as freely as we want. Yes, what we will do is um, through the magic of podcast editing, uh, <laughs> Philip will retroactively tell you uh, right after I stop talking when to skip to our broader discussion, which is going to be about how 2020 was the year that possibly broke Asian Americans, like with a lot of Americans, uh, faith in the American dream and, and America as a, the city on the shining hill and so forth. Um, so, uh, Philip, give us that time. Skip ahead to 42 minutes and 40 seconds. Okay, you're in the spoiler zone now. You are warned. Liza, I, I kind of chuckled because when you said um, he gets into a fight at the beginning, uh, it's a little bit more than a fight. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, though. No, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. When you're watching the no, no, opening no. scene, you're kind of like, oh, shit. No, I was about to kind of say it, but like, oh shit, we're we're like not in the spoiler zone yet. Now, so what happens in the opening scene is that so the I guess the main character really of this movie we can probably say is Aho, right? Who is yes. the juvenile yeah. delinquent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the younger brother. He's like he exper- he's, he and the father experience the most change. Yes. So Aho is the one who goes to to juvie. I think it was juvie, not exactly jail. So the opening yeah, scene, I mean. Ju- yeah. The, the way they shoot it, it, it's like it's such a beautiful movie. You know, it has these beautiful sh- shots where you kind of have this low, wide angle through a street. So you really, you know, you can just, it really does feel like you're in uh, Taiwan, which is why it made me kind of want to go to Asia and be like, hey, may, may, you know, I'd love to live there, you know. <laughs> um, but the way it's shot, it's in the rain, the colors are beautiful. I, 
you almost think it's going to be kind of like a romantic drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, then but, it's so disgusting. And then, it's, <laughs> and then a guy gets his hand chopped off and it falls into a, a hot pot. Hot pot soup. Uh, <laughs> bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the movie does that so well where it just, it's so jarring the, the way it hits you with certain key moments of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get to the other big key moment a little bit later, I think. But yeah, that's that's how the movie starts off. So you already know, oh shit, this is this movie is not afraid to do some shit. Yeah. And then yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that you know, from the moment I was gripped, and then I think it cuts to the dad uh, who's a driving instructor. Um, uh, it, it's just funny the scene because he's like this grumpy guy, and his he has a student who's like he keeps failing the test. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just the way he talks, he, he just it's funny and, and he's charming in his dad way. So already I'm like, okay, I, I like I like I everyone am like, here, you know. <laughs> I am so endeared to the dad because too, yeah. he is so Asian and that he <laughs> is very delightfully crabby and super proud, <laughs> but he is the true hero of the story, which by the way is a major spoiler. But yeah, like we'll get isn't to this that. everyone's yeah. Asian dad? Yeah, you know, like also, he's kind of detached and he's kind of crabby, he's but very like stubborn. He's super- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, he's well, hard-headed as shit. And the, the tension between him and uh, Aho, like the delinquent son, he he treats that guy like he basically has rejected him, rejected him as a son from his uh, you know, from his life, right? Like he, you know, he doesn't count him as a son, like literally, right? Yeah, and yeah so we that, can that's, see that in that scene in the yeah. um, the sentencing. Yeah, that's right, and and that 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 tension made. I think it, it's meant to make you not like the dad, but the fact that he's so delightful in his like mannerisms and you know his crabbiness, all that stuff we just we just talked about. I felt like the desire to still like him as a protagonist, as a as a character, you know, despite his failings. I don't know they they just did a good job playing those two things. I think throughout the movie. Um, yeah, I, I felt the same way about him too. Like they, just a, a, a great Asian dad depiction. Did anyone else think he looked like a kind of like a better looking version of Jack Ma? He, he has like a similar face. <laughs> That's um, who I was yeah, thinking yeah, of. Yeah, I was yeah. like, who does this, this guy? Like the dad reminds me of someone. Yes, this he is. Actor He's the will, movie star version of Jack Ma. He would definitely play Jack Ma in Jack Ma's biopic for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, a crucial thing I left out is in that opening scene. Well, not the opening scene, but the opening scene with the dad. Um, he's on a phone call and it's like he 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 says kind of like yeah let let my son rot in jail mm-hmm. um it'll do him some good so you're like oh damn this guy's harsh yeah but you also see him just being his crabby self and you're like i don't know maybe maybe this guy like how bad is the son you, you kind of want to see his <laughs> side of the story that is so realistic though let me tell you a story about <laughs> my dad when he was 12 years old in in mindanao in the philippines and uh so fireworks were illegal and my dad mm-hmm. was 12 years old and it was new year's eve and my dad um and his friends they set off a bunch of uh they bought a bunch of fireworks outside of their town and then they set off all the fireworks on the mayor's lawn, mm-hmm. Whoa, who the was the one that said that fireworks were illegal on New Year's yeah. Eve. And the mayor put my dad and all of his friends in jail overnight. Oh, Turns shit. out that the mayor and my dad's dad, my um, my grandfather, my Lolo, were buddies. And oh, no. he... Um, he called my Lolo and said, I've got your son here in prison. He set off fireworks on on my lawn. And um, what do you want me to do with him? I'll let him go if you want me to. Yeah. And my Lolo told him, no, let him see what it's like. <laughs> Leave him there overnight. 
<laughs> this is yeah, the opposite of what like a, a white dad would do, which is to, especially when it's like through connections, like immediately bail him out, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. my dad was twelve, but he's in the adult male jail, Jeez. where it's like stinky <laughs> and it's like disgusting, and like he didn't. Sleep. He said he didn't learn. sleep. He was like afraid to go to sleep that night. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. you also with the with a dad character, you also see his like his uh, his side with his his you know quote unquote good son right with Ahau, um where he like meets him at his school and like gives him he gives him these like these like you know notebooks um, from his driving school with a mm-hmm. stupid slogan on it right it's extremely it's was, extremely sweet yeah and he's he's there also just to give him his money for his uh, his cram school tuition, and stuff and yeah yeah it's just a completely different depiction of how he would treat his son so he, he's he's kind of automatically redeemed in that sense right it's just he has this really rough tension with his uh his bad kid um yeah. i mean the, the the saying that he always repeats is what sees the day and then <laughs> was it like define your life or something like that something like that yeah um something. i was wondering is that an actual like ancient chinese saying or is that just some corporate slogan at his at his driving school i don't know i, I think yeah, it's I supposed know. to be played off as a corporate slogan because his wife like makes fun of him and berates him about it at the end right so yeah. which is right before yeah. the yeah the it's twist probably comes, just like but, uh, we'll, it's we'll probably like some sort of like self-helpy Thing that yeah, it I is. Yeah. yeah. What What do you guys? I mean, on this note, what do you guys think of like the way they played humor throughout the movie? It's a dark movie, right? It's not. It's this dark kind of mostly serious movie, but there are some pretty joke scenes, like that. You know, maybe not always with the dad, but like there's that scene with the dad where the guy trying to get money, extort money from him, comes to his work and he's yeah, like and spraying like spraying sewage shit everywhere, like yeah, literal uh, shit everywhere. He drives a sewage. Truck. What I found hilarious about this scene is why uh, the dad, his boss, and his coworker like wouldn't just like walk away. They kept like standing right at the edge of being sprayed, <laughs> and they would always it's like. A- <laughs> like flinch back when it got too close and be like why are you standing so close in the first place like you had to get front row seats like you know what's happening <laughs> i just found that funny because they would they would be like so panicked whenever yeah. it came near them uh but something i like about this movie like little scenes like that that you're supposed to just be like oh this is just a really funny like offhand remark in the movie mm-hmm. they actually tie up very well the whole movie wraps up by the end every little piece every character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every okay, uh, before yeah. like I mean, the, the ending's amazing, so I don't want to rush into it. Like, so l- let's no, like, we'll try get to, to it. We'll go, get to it. Yeah, well, let's try to go chronologically, like the parts you really liked and everything. I thought it was fascinating to see the inside of like a Taiwanese juvie jail, just because yeah. I, I don't know what it looks like. And it was a funny. Oh, I guess it's not really funny, but I thought it was interesting how, on some levels, it, it just kind of looked like a school because they're yeah, all the all the guys are like pretty young. They they look like. Well, know, school, high school boys, yeah, mm-hmm. and they're sometimes in like PT gear doing exercises in what looks like <laughs> a typical Asian school schoolyard. Uh, but they're obviously, I mean, there's like there's like that big guy with like the tattoo whom Aho kind of starts off on the wrong foot with. So it was just interesting to to get a glimpse of of this world. Yeah, my reaction to that scene, like the GV scene, was wow. I really want to watch a movie where I get to see like you know delinquents from every country (laughs) and like what they're like like how they behave what what their duvies are like um Mm -hmm. yeah you 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 don't you know you don't see that every day right so it's just interesting yeah and then i mean uh, then there's the good son Uh, what do you guys think about him Uh, how heartbreaking yeah um i mean that's the thing like okay so in the in the first scene where you're just like completely shocked by the hand being cut off Mm -hmm. i was also completely shocked that he okay so he commits suicide 
Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah, because he's just like sitting there. He takes a shower. He just like he cleans his room, and then the next scene, they're putting like a body bag over. Yeah, and over I'm like, him. wait a minute, what does this have to do with? Oh my god, is that a body? What? Oh shit! Oh my god! Don't yeah, tell me. It, it took Don't me. Don't tell me. Oh, w- and then and then you see like the mom crying, and then you're like, oh my god! And it's like with her, you realize what's happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what mm-hmm. makes it so powerful. Yeah, and you think that his he's on the up and up because he there's that girl who um you know, just starts talking to him because she has a crush on him. And they're like a cute couple. You're like, oh, you know, the things are looking looking good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what his story is going to be. And then I saw some reviews and some people were confused as to why he committed suicide. Some people thought it was just a plot device. Why do you guys think he committed suicide? Are you suicide? serious? It wasn't obvious? Oh, Eliza, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, the expectations of him were so high. It's like he comes from this very like low social class situation and he is expect like everything is riding on him. He has to get the grades. He- he's in cramp school so he can go to his first choice medical school. So obviously mm-hmm. his parents are pinning everything on him because they've they've just given up on his brother. He's not going to be sharing responsibilities for uh, uplifting the family out of their economic situation uh, with his brother. He's going to be doing it on his own. Mm. Like, yeah, everyone think- depends on him. I think he also his brother failed. depends on him, his mother, his dad. He's like, he's taking care of his brother's pregnant girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he also failed the medical entrance exam the first time. Oh, uh, that's right. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah. he's already got that pressure on him. Yeah. And I also think there, there was a crucial scene before it when he, so Aho also has gotten a girl pregnant. Her name's Xiao Yu, uh, whom he uh, later ends up marrying. Um, but so Aho being the, good brother he is um and i'm not i'm not saying that sarcastically that, he, i realize yeah, he that takes almost care of her while mm-hmm. his parents are working and while his brother is in jail he takes her to her appointments he takes her to juvie so yeah, to try th- that's and visit. the scene where he brings her to juvie uh so that she can see aho but they won't let her in because she has not family mm-hmm. and then when he tells and this is the first time that aho learns about her pregnancy and i think aho his brother is really disappointed in how his brother reacts because yeah, Aho so is all, he gets all pissy and doesn't really seem to appreciate what he did. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, or whatever. And I, I, I thought that was just very heartbreaking for him as the older brother. Um, and I thought that was one of the reasons he committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. I think I th- that's the, so I agree with everything you said, Liza, about the reason why Aho commits suicide. But I wouldn't use the word you used, which was obviously because. Mm-hmm. I think what was beautiful about this movie for me throughout the entire movie was that it didn't play things with a very heavy hand. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I was throughout the movie, I was kind of contrasting how certain tropes or certain like kind of devices in the movie would have been done in like a Western film, mm-hmm. right? Like a, like a mainstream Hollywood Western film, even down to just like the fact that there's these two brothers, like the good brother, the bad brother, the delinquent and the success story, right? Like, you know that in a fucking Hollywood film, they're going to play it through like a montage or they're going to go kind of heavy handed with like exposition. <laughs> and you can kind of see how they would put that out. But in this movie, they don't to the point where like, I didn't really get that there's supposed to be a good brother and a bad brother until way into the film where I'm like, Oh yeah, you can kind of see it sprinkled throughout the movie. Right. Even, even what you guys were saying about him taking Xiao Yu to, uh, you know, to like taking care of her. He only does it really once where he, you know, uh, suggests you know, t- takes her to Juvie to see uh, uh, Aho, 
like it, he, they don't show a whole bunch of you know scenes of him like taking her to prenatal like appointments mm-hmm. and like bringing her food mm-hmm. or whatever like they're not they don't do things in a really um explicit way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was lovely like that was just so nice to see because it was such a departure from how a lot of movies really need to like drive a point home this is the good brother this is the bad brother don't forget <laughs> it right even their even their names are similar right like Aho you know and, Aho, Aho, yeah. right and it's it's like kind of hard to tell from the sub sometimes i got mixed up at one point right mm-hmm. um so i don't know that was just a really nice thing about this film that that just it, it plays more like real life because these things are you know they don't they don't get like written out for you you know yeah so. I actually thought that Xiao Yu might fall in love with Ahao. I thought like, oh no, is this what's gonna happen? Because mm. um, she feels abandoned by Ahao, and he, he has, you know, he seems like kind of a, a bad apple. And and the older brother seems so upstanding. Um, so I thought that might happen, but yeah, uh, I, I think love luck- that this movie didn't. never ever. Um, nothing is ever obvious about the movie, like Philip said, and like you're constantly surprised at every turn. Mm. Yeah. Um. Also, did anyone else get the sense that everyone's just like really good looking in this movie? <laughs> anyone else feel that? Yeah, like the mom. Yeah, like the, like the, the mom, mom is the really mom. pretty. Also, not like, and then not- like the adopted mom of um, the pregnant girlfriend. She's mm-hmm. the aunt. Like she's really pretty yeah, too. She's very pretty. Uh, I mean, like Xiao Yu, she's very cute. Um, the the older brother, uh, you know, very good looking guy. Very handsome. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Even even psycho uh, radish. I mean, he's like a hot dude. Let, let's let's be honest, right? <laughs> Who do you think was the hottest dude uh, the in the gangster. movie? The, the gangster, gangster the gangster, the gangster. Yeah, at the end, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that guy's hot, you know. Yeah, my, um, my wife commented on that. That was good. <laughs> I also commented on it, and my husband was just like, "Oh, gosh, shocker! You find him handsome." <laughs> of course, I mean, that, but it makes sense, right? Because it's like, how does he? manipulate people so easily and and one thing that really helps is if you if you're hot if you're chiseled yeah <laughs> if you are yeah if you were just unusually more attractive yeah, spicy, than everybody yeah. else <laughs> yeah let's talk about radish uh because he's he's not like in the movie that much because he's in the beginning and then he shows up later at the end when aho's kind of on the path to redemption he gets yeah, he out disappears of juvie for like an hour and a half yeah i mean like aho marries Xiao Yu while he's still like incarcerated Mm -hmm. he gets out he starts working like two minimum wage jobs and i think he feels very guilty about his brother's suicide and he's trying to make amends Mm -hmm. just living a a quiet uh straight as his dad ignores him while living yeah and his dad like refuses refuses to talk to him as well Mm -hmm. then one day at the car wash radish shows up this time he has like dyed hair and everything which makes him look even more evil and he starts and and Philip, you you talked about this how he, just his very presence just makes you so nervous. Oh yeah, because he's from like when, capable of every anything. From the scene he shows up to the when scene he disappears, like I was fucking on edge the entire time. It was crazy. Yeah, the way he just like gets in the in the because he's such a psycho. You don't know what he's capable of. Exactly, yeah. and, like the way he gets in the car and mm-hmm. he just uh, you know starts smoking and he's like relaxed, like I'm not I'm I'm gonna you know flick the ashes outside the window kind of thing but at any moment you expect him to just like smash Ao's head into the window or something <laughs> or put a that's cigarette he, out on him yeah. yeah put a cigarette out on him and all that so yeah and then there's that scene where uh Ahu's dad goes to see Radish at his like I don't know gangster hangout or something mm-hmm. I thought that the dad was gonna get taken advantage of because he had that fake financial services company I yeah, thought that the yeah. dad was gonna or, try and, and just, invest wrongly. I thought they were gonna yeah. beat the shit out of him, like <laughs> or like throw him off the building, you know? Because yeah, they're like, yeah. but it was also like just how rude Radish is. 
under uh-huh. under this like very thin veneer of being a uh, friendly mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. just just the other contempt he has for for him just the way he talks to him and then and then the last thing he says to him, remember on the roof he's he basically makes fun of uh uh the dad's son's suicide yeah yeah um uh, and it's just it's just disgusting but that's also what makes him like a compelling character, <laughs> mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, I'll also say that, like, again, going back to this movie being great at not doing things you'd expect movies to do, it, they they don't drive the tension up using, like, for example, music or sound, right? Like, there's yeah, a lot I don't of scenes. A lot of music in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes where Radish and like Aho are having like a stare down or like you know some kind of emotional standoff. And you know, in other movies, they'll play that up by putting in some kind of like tense music that like builds up right before a breaking point. Like they don't do any of that at all. It's it's very quiet, um, mm-hmm. but you still feel the tension, right? You still I feel mean, the tension yeah. just from like the the relationship the characters have built up and like the situation and everything else. It it just plays itself out really nicely. I also think that the casting is very unexpected because in a Western movie, you know, the dad being the true hero of the story in Western movies, that would be like a Liam Neeson or like a Gerard Butler or something. Mm -hmm. And here he's just like this, you know, he's just like, just Jack. (laughs) (laughs) He's like this skinny, skinny, older guy with, you know, like he has like graying hair and you know he's always kind of put upon and should we talk about the ending now i think we're, yeah let's yeah, go for it yeah. let's talk about the ending so remember before the ending um it, it, the scene is uh aho has had the gangsters have let him go told him that radish is dead and given him some money i don't know how much money that is but it, it seems like quite a bit and he's running on the highway and, and there's actually philip this is like the one time i remember there being a background music it's like this mm. triumphant jangly guitar music yeah, and yeah i thought yeah, yeah. really is this how the movie's gonna end that oh after all this he persevered his enemies are vanquished and now he has some cash in his pocket happy ending i thought that's just weird it doesn't seem like like the way this movie ought to end but then we get to the scene where it's the dad and the mom they're on the hill and then and that she's berating him for not loving Aho enough and never being there for him, uh, especially after he got out of juvie and not talking to him. And then the dad makes the big revelation that he's the one who killed Radish. And, <laughs> and then it all makes sense. And it's un- yeah. it's, it unfolds very, like, gradually. He doesn't, like, shock you, which is, like, one sentence. But as soon as he starts talking, you realize, oh, shit, I think he's the one who did it. Right, he keeps repeating himself. He yeah. keeps repeating that line. What can I do? I'm just a driving instructor. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, he kills him by running you know, him over. Running him over. And no, <laughs> and actually, then, he kills him by smashing him with, with a rock, a giant yeah. fucking rock. And the crazy thing is, like the the gangsters who tell Aho that um, Radish was was like was killed mention that he was badly disfigured. But mm-hmm. in the actual scene where uh, the dad's explaining the, uh, the 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 murder, he hits him with the car. The guy's not disfigured, and then you see him lift the rock. Like it just builds up to this, like, oh shit, this guy did something really bad. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's son, like, right? Yeah, like someone gets run over. I think you can tell that they kind of got run over. I mean, disfigured it means they got their head bashed in. And, yeah, and, then and he doesn't realize that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, and he doesn't say it to his wife either, right? He tells her that, like, he doesn't even really say that he ends it. He just says, you know, it just he just implies that he kills him. 
yeah. but then you see in the scene that he's, he lifts this like giant fucking stone over his head to smash it in Radish's it's face. It's so violent. It's fucking crazy. It's not what you expect from the dad at all. From Jack Ma, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, I mean, it is horrifying, but it's also very satisfying because, I mean, first of all, like Radish is so despicable that, it, I mean, who's really good? Although I did kind of feel for Radish when he said, um, his grandmother lost the house and yeah, she was family, in the nursing yeah. home. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I, I'm sure he didn't actually care about his grandma that much anyway. Um, and then at the end, and, and you see like the wife just, she starts like hitting, she starts like bawling and starts hitting her husband. And it's like, and it's a nice scene because you're like, what is she upset about? Is she upset that her husband's now a murderer and that he had to do this? Is she upset because she thought so low of him all this time that he hated his own son which he kind of did for a he, long time he admitted actually. that yeah i and think then, that that's part of it like that's what a hard revelation to hear yeah mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then and then uh after that uh i think the movie ends with a scene where the son and the mom are going on a walk and then aho uh borrows a bike from a bike rack. one of the most amazing scenes ever <laughs> and then um because it ties into something that the mother says about him earlier in the movie yeah mm-hmm. So it's like him returning to the family, right? But mm-hmm. now he's he's matured. So he's the one now riding the bike and she's... He is the son. Yeah. He is a son. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah, the that's, child. that's the movie. What do you, what do you think of the, the title, A Son? I, I, I posted a uh, translation of the Chinese title in our notes. Um, and it translates to Sunny in English, right? But I, I don't know because like A Son in English is like a, it's a great title because it's, it's a play on words, right? Because yeah. of the, you know, the whole like having a single son despite having two sons thing, but also because mm-hmm. of the story that Ahau tells about, um, you know, how the son, you know, gives gives light equally and it's the most fair thing in the world kind of thing, yeah. right? So that's that's really beautiful. I don't know if in, in Chinese, I know no one here can be Chinese. <laughs> it, it, it's quite a, quite a nice play on words. Um, but like, I thought it was, the, the English title was great. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about the title is that it's hard to Google. Um, you have to write a sun movie, movie Taiwan yeah. to find it. Yeah. Um, or you have but, to type in a sun Netflix because if you just type in a sun, you get everything. Well, if you type in a sun movie, you get that really awful movie, A Sun is Also a Star. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I also got like Tears of the Sun or something. Remember that old uh, yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis movie back in like the early 2000s? <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, okay. So should we should we talk about uh, kind of the broader topic you want to talk uh-huh. about? Okay. So uh, you are now exiting the spoiler zone. Although if you've been listening, you don't really care about that. Okay. So now, uh, if you're listening to this, you skipped over the spoiler part of the discuss of the movie. So as I said, this movie is is just gorgeous to look at, but not not like an artificial way. I mean, y- you get the sense that this is pretty typical of. A lot of, you know, if you lived in, is this in Taipei? I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, wherever it's set, um, it just made me want to go to Asia. And it just reminded me how, you know, for this year, I, I, a lot of Asian American of my friends I talked to, they either actually did go to Asia for an extended period of time because things were better off there, it was safer, and everyone could work from home anyway. Mm-hmm. Or they, they got this like sudden longing to, to go back, um, even like permanently. And I and I think it, like a lot of people were disillusioned with America in 2020. But I think I think maybe Asian Americans particularly so, just because of the such a stark contrast of how uh, a lot of Asian countries treated it. 
coupled with the the virulent (laughs) anti-Asian racism that sparked up this year. So, well, what do you guys think about that? Well, Chris, can I ask you to give a bit more flavor about what you mean by the movie made you like... You know, because it, it, it just aesthetically, it didn't like I was scanning for that because you said this would be a good topic to talk about mm-hmm. with respect to a son. But I was scanning for that. I was like, oh, they don't really show, you know, like when the movie really celebrates a city, right? Like um, uh, uh, Lost, in, Lost Translation in Translation for Tokyo, yeah. right? And like any movie that celebrates New York or whatever, they always have these like big, big kind of like montage scenes and whatnot, whatnot of the city. They don't really do that in, in this uh, movie for like Taipei or wherever this is in Taiwan. They 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 have a few nice shots. I mean, there are some beautiful places, but it could almost be anywhere. What was like? Were there some scenes that made you feel that way about like Taiwan or Asia? But but that's precisely why I liked it. I don't like it when a movie just shows you all all the landmarks. I mean, sometimes it can do it well, but like if this showed, you know, the, the Taipei One Hundred One Tower, uh, that big hotel, the famous mm-hmm. hotel in Taipei, and it's it's kind of sold itself as like a, almost like a tourist. Uh, propaganda it would take me out of it but mm. I, I, my favorite scene is remember that really creepy scene when um radish approaches the mom xiaoyu and aho aho's son oh like mm-hmm. on the streets in the like street firecrackers going off yeah mm-hmm. yeah um the, the, it starts off with like a very wide kind of like street level eye level shot of just the uh-huh. whole street and it just looks very dense and it really does feel like i'm just on a typical street in in whatever city this is supposed to be, mm. and um, it, it's just a very beautifully composed shot. And and the fact that it's not just the famous landmarks, but it's actually the the everyday life of somebody who would live there, just makes me want to go there more. Because like, wow, if this is what everyday life is like, I, yeah. I feel like I get a sense of that, and I want a taste of it. Yeah, the 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 part the the visual parts of the movie that made me feel that way because I I did end up feeling that way about Asia just after scanning for a bit was like how just like seeing like contemporary Taiwanese people and like how they dress and like going about their lives and so on, like background characters and whatnot. Like all the all the girls had like really kind of cute, nice um clothing. Like they were well dressed, especially um <laughs> uh, Ahau's girlfriend, like when they went on that date. Yeah. In the um, zoo, her name right? is um uh, looking up for it, uh Xiao Zhen. Yeah, yeah. Just like everyone, not related to Xiaoyu, even though uh, yeah, they have to. People had like cool them. contemporary glasses and stuff. It's obviously different from how Asian people dress in the West, and it, it makes you kind of like. <laughs> I, I like seeing things like that, right? Because you realize, mm-hmm. like, hey, there's mm-hmm. like there's something else going on out there on the other side of the planet that we don't mm-hmm. get a glimpse of every day. That's that's quite mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, and also on a meta level, uh, you know, seeing things like great art come out of Asia compared to. I mean, this, I might also be biased just because I'm more, generally speaking, any culture, cultural production, the bad, there's going to be more bad than good. So I don't know a lot about the everyday bad stuff coming out of Asia. We sure. only really see the best. So this is skewed a bit. But it's also like they're making such good things in Asia. I look at Asian America and, you know, except for a few exceptions, a lot of it's just bad. It's the same old, you know, am I American? Am I Asian? You know, that, you know we, we, <laughs> the stuff we always complain about. And be like, man, it'd be nice to to go where better stuff is being made. I'm sure, Liza, you, you share that sentiment as well. <laughs> I do. In fact, this entire year, I just have been like patting my back almost, just thinking about, <laughs> wow, I'm so glad that I got that um, ASEAN citizenship for me and the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that they can use that when they get older and they realize also that this place is shit and they need to get out. <laughs> and there are much, much greener pastures in the East. 
Yeah, or or like maybe not necessarily that like America is complete shit or whatever, but that you have options and that there's other amazing places on the planet, and that we sh- we shouldn't just completely center ourselves on the place where we were born and raised, right? Um, yeah, you know, especially if you want to be a person of the world, you really do have to see other places. And in, like, I, I hate it when someone like comes off. I have some friends who do this who come off as like very well traveled and like they've seen a lot and so on, but they've only really just traveled in like Europe. You know, yeah, boring. Uh, yeah, boring. my 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 reaction to that is like, unless you go to like one big city in Asia, you haven't seen nothing yet. You know, <laughs> and and like I I didn't I personally didn't travel to Asia until I think I was twenty three or four mm-hmm. um, on a work trip to Singapore, and like I, mm-hmm. the, the feedback I got from people was like when I said I was going to Singapore it was like Singapore is like Asia light. You know, everyone mm-hmm. speaks yeah, English. You got it a lot is. of the same brands and stores <laughs> and stuff. And like, okay, it's it's also very different, right? Like the climate's completely different from like Toronto or, you mm-hmm. know, anywhere in the States. And and like, there are a lot of folks who are quite different. Uh, it's not white dominated, of course, right? But like a lot of the things are very similar still because of the influence from the colonial West. But it was still like a revelation to go out there for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then having yeah. traveled to like Tokyo, Beijing, other places like... It, you really got to go see it, right? And and uh, yeah, maybe you're right, Chris. Like maybe the fact that this movie doesn't like come off as like an ad for Taipei is better, right? Because you you get more of a sense of um, you know, just even just like everyday life there is is has this, these differences that are that are quite lovely and unique that you you don't get here. Yeah, uh, I've been to Asia a lot, but mostly to Korea. I haven't actually been to a lot of non-Korea countries. I've and been I, to, that was... um, I've been to Hong Kong and the Philippines and Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All very, very, very different. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I was hoping to uh, earlier this year, I was hoping 2020 might be a change. And actually, uh, Taipei was one of the cities I, I really wanted to visit. Uh, well, we know how that turned out. But, um, <laughs> you know, in the, in the future when, or if, things uh, become... <laughs> travelable again yeah that is definitely uh, a lot of things i want to see i mean my, my well you know one of my dreams is to actually travel throughout china but it's it's very difficult still i think especially with the language barrier and all that um i've always wanted to go to indonesia uh it seems like a very mm-hmm. cool place mm-hmm. um uh vietnam too uh yeah shout out to you philip <laughs> are you uh, yeah that was my that was my plan was to like do my honeymoon in vietnam in november oh, cool. <laughs> but that did um, not work out um but did did you feel like this what we're describing right now this feeling we all kind of have this pining was that heightened in the last six to nine months is that what you're saying like you found the yeah, friends definitely, were talking a lot more because about this. there was a it time... was heightened for me but not because of movies or even because of like like the the like just realizing that America's shit. It's it's actually um, the more the more prominent Asian Americans have become in the media, the more embarrassed I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is actually what did it for me. Uh huh. Actually, Philip, you talked about how well, nicely dressed uh, the people, the young people in this movie was. It reminded me of that scene in Soul Searching, the opening scene where you have the the Korean Kyopos coming into the airport and they're like mm-hmm. in their cool clothes and it's the dowdy uh native koreans who are like, oh you know these like oh there's like sid vicious there's madonna that kind of thing and how yeah. it'd be totally reversed if it were now i think i think asian americans i mean myself included for much of our lives we always thought of ourselves as the, the advanced uh, sophisticated types who knew more mm-hmm. about the world and all that mm-hmm. i think uh, i think we we learned it was not only is that not true now but it, it was probably mm-hmm. never true to begin with 
that we're the ones who are actually embarrassingly stuck in, in much like how our parents are stuck in the immigrant time warp where you know they're mm-hmm. stuck in like the 70s or wherever they're wherever they immigrated i think asian americans are still kind of like stuck in the 90s in our mindset which is why so much of our media is, is like a rehash of the 90s trying to you know have our version of friends we want our version of pretty woman or clueless or shit like that do you just while- get like this feeling of like embarrassment by proxy when you try to imagine like our our um our counterparts in like the philippines or korea watching things like personal history of david copperfield or like <laughs> mary queen of scots or like crazy rich asians like or like, saw- even like the half of it like do you ever think about that and it's like you just get so like i'm not like them i'm like you <laughs> <laughs> I think I, they don't I, even care. Yeah, I don't think they even watch. That's the things. ultimate insult, right? They don't even bother to watch it. They're oh really no, they do. Be- they watch. Some of them watch. like I know my cousins. The Philippines have checked some of the stuff out because oh, um, I do remember the half of it was really popular it, in the and then they'll look at it and just be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what are you guys doing over there? Yeah, I I, mean, like I, I watched the first episode of Bridgerton last night, uh, and it's just so bad. And this is coming from a country that produces really, really just corny, like the corniest rom-coms you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when they watch movies like the half of it, they're just like, <clears throat> you know, yeah. they feel sorry for us. Yeah, I, I think there's this uh, kind of a almost like a reverso or something akin to the immigrant time warp where like the way we perceive like for i guess foreigners from asia has changed over time like if you think about um like how like even just like chinese people who immigrated to the states in canada dressed and and you know looked and so on in say like the 80s 90s early 2000s it's very different from how they like look and dress now like all the all the you know chinese students and stuff in toronto are like super stylish, like super cool, you know, like it's it, likewise, of course, with, with Koreans as well. And I think like, I thought about this recently, but like, just do, are, are people from Asia immigrating maybe less to the States and to Canada, to the West in general, because things are so well developed there, especially in South Korea, especially in China, right? Um, mm-hmm. That like, America has almost lost its kind of appeal, because it's just as good, maybe even some in some cases better, back home i mean i can speak for i can speak for like um someone who's like as a mom of three kids like my kids look to asia for what's cool like if you've got a daughter Mm -hmm. she's probably watching blackpink and wishing she could sing like them and dress like them (laughs) she can't understand the lyrics but like yeah you know (laughs) and you got imitating all the dance moves and she buy like you know she wants all the merchandise yeah, and you've got you got white kids aspiring to go out there too, right? Yeah. Um, I this was even before like COVID, like several years ago. But I, you know, I was a, a lot of the Korean friends I had were kind of like one point five gen international types who came to America for college and then law school and things like that. And yeah, a lot of them were they're kind of like around my age, and I, I think my age group. Uh, you know, give or take a few years, I think it was the last group where the prestige of an American college degree was so much, like so worth it to go through the trouble. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. after a wave of, you know, Koreans went there and went to like the Ivy Leagues and and actually a lot of times they kind of go to state schools, they get, they get gouged out 
their years for it. But you know, hey, it's still American, therefore it's superior. Not anymore. Even even like a Harvard degree is just like, you know, well, I don't think it's really worth it, and and people aren't as impressed anymore. So I'm I'm sure that cascades down to to a lot of other things as well. It depends mm-hmm. on where, because if you had a Harvard degree and you went to the Philippines, it would still be very like unusual and prized. Yeah, yeah, it's still prized. I'm sure. I mean, it's prized in America, so definitely it would be prized there, but definitely not as much. As I'm very I'm very curious to see where like the trend of Chinese students, specifically Chinese students coming to the States for um, post-secondary education goes, right? Like with COVID, not just like the obvious pandemic dangers, but also like the the treatment of Chinese academics and students and stuff and how that's, uh, you know, how that's going with this whole McCarthyism 2.0 situation we're seeing right now. Like Mm -hmm. I'm curious if that plus like the much, much, much better um, standards of living in China now, like how that mm-hmm. drives Chinese immigration in the next uh, decade after COVID. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but like I think about it, I think I forgot the exact years, but approximately like 2012 or so, I think like 90% of Chinese students who came to America for university would stay afterwards to like work or start a business mm-hmm. or whatever. And that has dropped to like 20% mm. in like 2018 or something like that. Like it's yeah. dropped significantly in the last just one decade, mm-hmm. um, and and like all this new stuff happening with COVID and and like you know, uh, your yellow peril and all that stuff is gonna just make it make it worse in that sense. So so where are they going then? Are they are they just going back to China? Or are they going elsewhere? I think well, in the case of the U.S., they would be going elsewhere. They would be going to maybe Canada, the U.K., um, places see. in okay. in Europe, right? Because there's still really great schools. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but also I think some of them are maybe just staying domestic as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Liza, I was thinking, um, about, you know, like your friends in the Philippines reacting to you know, Asian American movies. I think it was Jess who told me that she had like cousins in Korea who, who watched, uh, to all the boys I love before. And they were like, you guys are still hung up on this shit. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, everyone has Netflix, so we're all watching the same stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, um, recently I bought, the novel The Vegetarian, which is by a Korean, like a Korean Korean woman named Han Gang. And I just wanted to see what was coming out of Asia in terms of literature, because I've I've read some, you know, I guess I, I read the I talked about another part. I, I recently read this Asian American novel called New Waves, Garbage. I'm I'm reading this one called Goodbye Vitamin right now. So far garbage. And it it, <laughs> it has the same it's, I just wanted to see what, what was coming out of Asia and just to Get, you know, try to get some inspiration from them because because a lot of stuff coming out of Asian America is such a dreck. Yeah, it's getting worse, isn't it? <laughs> I, yeah, I think um, I think as as more people get, it's like as the gates open, you just have more mediocrities and sub mediocrities. So um, the, the volume, like it was always like not that good, but at least in the in the before it was limited. But now people are getting more opportunities, especially if they if they uh get through it by you know using some kind of woke peer pressure to get themselves positions that they don't really merit on on the actual substance of what they do yeah it's not looking good wait so was the book good (laughs) oh the vegetarian uh yeah um it was it it was definitely different and i I i definitely liked it more than something like you know, new waves or white ivy or, or goodbye vitamin, but mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, the top 
10 oh, I read this year, but I, 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 I do want to read more uh, of, of Korean literature. And actually, that's one of the reasons why this year I really stepped up on learning Korean because, I mean, besides just being able to read and understand Korean more, it is from a deep fear that I don't want to be one of these like lame-ass Asian-Americans who know just enough about their heritage to to spread wrong info in in kind of like non Asian circles, mm-hmm. I, I have a deep fear that of of becoming that. So it's like okay, the only way I can really prevent that is to get the the language abilities to really go mm-hmm. directly to uh, like Korean cultural sources because a lot mm-hmm. of the like translated stuff it just seems very elementary and often propagandistic. Mm-hmm. It comes through some think tank or whatever. So yeah, I think that part of the problem is the way that we process um, just living in America. It's so different from how our parents processed it. Like when you compare our experience in America to the way our parents have, it's like our parents have just long accepted the fact that they are perpetual. They're seen as perpetual foreigners. And for the most part, I think that a lot of them even enjoyed that image. You know, like (laughs) when they talk about home, do your parents, like when they say I'm going home, do they talk about like, do they talk about like your home here or do they talk about like the Philippines or Korea or Vietnam? Cause like when my parents say home, they're talking about the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, my parents, uh, I mean, I was born and raised in Canada, but after I went to college, my parents moved back to Korea mm-hmm. and they would, even though I'd never lived in Korea or even spent that much time except for visiting every now and then they would still be like, Oh, uh, like we're, you know, you're going home. To me, mm-hmm. I'm like mm-hmm. I, I haven't lived there at all, and but I do get a sense of what they're saying. And actually, if you if I had to rank, you know, there are three places where I, I spent significant parts of my life. It would be Canada, America, and Korea. Mm-hmm. I would say my home is is America, just because I've spent I think my most formative years here, and you know I work here and, and live mm-hmm. here. But I would put Korea above Canada, even though Canada is the place I've spent the majority of my life. But I don't have any ties there anymore. Um, a lot of the times spent there now seems in, in retrospect like very transient just mm-hmm. like my parents mm-hmm. but at the time i always thought like oh canada's you know where, where i was made and everything which is literally true but i think on a deeper level i connect more with korea mm-hmm. yeah like our our parents like they never cared one bit about uh, fighting for representation in a country that they never even viewed as their own and like frankly just doesn't want to give it to them anyway yeah i think that yeah. our parents viewed america as like a business that they just had to work for no, not a country that they felt a need to belong to or like improve yeah and i, I think i don't think that's a absolutely perfect view i do think if you spent uh, all or a majority of your life in a place you are entitled to certain uh you know, reciprocations, you you have an input and everything. But if that goes so far as, as shit like Bridgerton, in case people don't know, it's the, <laughs> it's the new Shonda Rhimes Netflix series where it imagines uh, a diverse uh, it's just Regency more England. It's just more, more race spending. Yeah. And it, it's it's gross because it's, it's this wishful thinking that uh, actually uh, people of color were part of the oppressive aristocratic you class. Yeah, you can't rewrite history to include yourself. <laughs> Or if you do, make sure that it because like I I don't want to make this about Bridgerton, but it would actually be fascinating if there was like an alternate speculative history version of let's say okay it's like 1810s England, but let's say there was actual diversity. What would the racism back then 
look like? How similar, but how also different would it be from today's uh, diver- you know, racism that occurs because of diverse societies? Let's let's imagine that uh, the British aristocracy was diverse because they had like a comprador class of minorities, you know, uh, Haitians and um, you know Chinese and whatever people who rose to the British aristocracy because they sold out their own people and their own issues with dealing with it. I think that would be completely fascinating and i i think that's worth uh like that has artistic merit but not the bridgerton crap where oh it's just modern day london um except everyone wears uh you know fancy dresses talks in fancy accents and 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 we just talk about marriage all the time you know Mm -hmm. it's bullshit okay uh we are approaching time uh this worked out quite nicely uh but i think we, we we can talk about any last minute topics that we didn't get off our chest yeah you know what's a really good movie to watch is the hunt <laughs> oh yeah the that's hunt the one 2020 with- there's two movies called the hunt and they're both good there's one from like 2012 which has mads mickelson that's not the one that i'm talking about i'm talking about the hunt that came out um early 2020 right before the pandemic happened. And um, it is a movie that makes you sympathize and cheer on the deplorables, which I thought was a nice touch by Bloomhouse Productions. I actually watched it on New Year's Eve during the day. And it was like <laughs> smack in the midst of all of this like $2,000 stimulus talk and like arguments between AOC and like leftists online, actual leftists online, and like <laughs> Liberals saying that calls to force the vote on Medicare for all is, uh, quote, violence. And like, I got to say that my hatred for liberals is at an all time high right now. So (laughs) I found this movie at just the right time. Mm-hmm. I, I made I, I accidentally um, bought it instead of renting it on Prime. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I know, Philip, you watched it too, didn't you? I did. Thank you for the charity by buying this movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it was good. I was I was kind of curious. If you, did you read any reviews that, that like liberal reviewers hate this movie because of like the kind I did. Of, I yeah, movie got, like, like for canceled. example, like, they didn't um, release it? I mm. think that uh, uh, what's her face, Monica Castillo wrote. Um, she gave it like a one star review. <laughs> like this, this yeah. movie is like I think it's like at a, I think it's almost at a fifty fifty for critics, but then the audience score is high. Mm-hmm. Because it's yeah. fun. It's a fun popcorn movie. Yeah. But also it does like a nice twist of like owning the libs, but from the left. I see. Yeah. It's like, you know, a, like it's, 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 it's um, it is a deplorables versus liberals movie. And you would think that it's going to be like liberals punching down on deplorables, but instead it's leftists punching at both deplorables and liberals but mostly liberals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can tell that from the uh, the the opening and ending scene with the way that, like the liberal guy, the rich guy treats the flight attendant versus the way that the deplorable t- treats the flight attendant. The caviar scene. Yeah. yeah, they they probably really absolutely hate that scene. So worth watching just for that. <laughs> this movie, I like, uh, kind of got canceled. Like, literally got canceled. Right? Like, it didn't come out in theaters because there was like so much critical backlash. Or they something. were scared of wow. um, any kind of like actual violence breaking out, uh, like civil on. war kind of violence. And it's like, oh come on! You said it's, that about Joker, and you said that yeah. about like a whole bunch of other movies, and it never happened. You said that about the goddamn election. Yeah, and it didn't even happen. Nothing happened. 
Yeah. But I saw the main character who was like the main deplorable girl. I, you know, at the reveal at the end, okay, spoiler again, um, don't listen if you want to watch this movie, but uh, they called her, um, her code name was Snowball. It's a reference to Animal Farm. And mm-hmm. I actually saw her as a Bernie bro. But oh, in, in true fashion of liberals, they can't tell the difference between Bernie bros and deplorables <laughs> because anyone that is anti-liberal is the same to them. Yeah. Yeah, liberal viewers really hated this movie. It got like lower reviews than um, Hillbilly Elegy. It got lower reviews than like Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, it got lower reviews than Tenet. Yeah, and it's it's once again it's that meta narrative instead of just is this a good movie? And um, you guys got properly roasted. I'm sorry, but you did. You deserve it. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many movies where it's like all about like the the hateful redneck guy and mm-hmm. like the white Karen, you know, and uh, this movie, it had a lot of um, the dialogue I thought was pretty funny because it's it sounds exactly like it sounds exactly like everything that we hate about lives, you know, yeah. I'll have to check this out. <laughs> like, there's a lot of check your privilege talk right after oh, no. a liberal. Oh, no. like, of course, like the critics are going to hate that because they're going to feel right, very right. Targeted. It's like there's a lot of check your privilege talk right after um, a liberal, like literally, like smashed in somebody's head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or like, there's a lot of really funny one-liners where, like, right before a liberal will kill one of the deplorables, he'll be like, "Climate change." is real (laughs) (laughs) there's even the scene where they try to decide whether or not they're going to put a black guy into the like (laughs) like a black republican or something into like the 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 group of people who are being hunted they're like no we can't do this this has gone too far you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah and there's a really really great fight scene at the end with hillary swank and um uh snowball the main girl i can't remember the the actress's name because i've never seen her before that's not Emma Roberts, is it? No. She dies okay. in the first five minutes. Oh, yeah, you told me that. Yes. Yeah, good riddance. Yeah, because I'm trying to get you to watch the movie. I know yes. you don't like her. She's a terrible actress. All right, I'm definitely going to watch that. Philip, any last thoughts? No, I'm good. This is uh, the hunt is a is a funny it's a funny contrast to a son and how heavy handed everything is in the movie, but <laughs> in a good in a good way in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, maybe we can do an episode on that sometime. Okay, uh, listeners, thank you for starting off the new year with us. Uh, so tune in next week for another episode of Unverified Accounts. This is Chris, Liza, and Philip signing off. Bye, See everyone. Ya. Bye.